You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and we're at Collision in Toronto. And Collision in Toronto evolved out of the Web Summit in Dublin, uh, Paddy Cosgrave, and uh, then he set up a North American site with a similar operation in Vegas for one year, then New Orleans, and now into Toronto for this year and the next two years. And I always like to feature Irish people who are spread around the world and who are doing great things, who are spreading the message of a variety of things, but the most important message they're spreading is who we are. And Donny O'Sullivan from Cahir Savine is sitting across from me, and we're not going to talk about his football career, and we're not going to talk about Kerry as a great place to play football, or a place to go on holidays either. We're going to talk about Donny O'Sullivan, who is a business correspondent with CNN. Donny, CNN, Cahir Savine, North America, how did they all come together? <laughs> It's yeah, it's as far away from Carstreen we are now as well. Right. It's a good job we're not going to talk about my football career. Cause, uh, <laughs> it ended, I think, with an under 12 South Kerry B Championship on the bench. But did, oh, on so the bench. Did you get a medal? <laughs> I got a medal. I got okay. a medal. So, okay, you got a medal. Uh, but I, I, I knew that uh, I knew fairly quickly that I was not going to be one of a, a Kerry All Stars. So okay. I, I parked, I parked that in my team. Right. Uh, but I, I. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I actually got started with a small Irish startup, which was run by Mark Little, who used to be the I remember, yeah. RT news yes. correspondent in Washington. Yes. Um, so I, I studied in, in Dublin, and I did a master's in Queens in Belfast for a year. Okay. Uh, and uh, then I got started with Storyful, which was Mark Little's um, digital media company. Right. Um, and I was there for about two. I was there for about three years. Um, and uh, what Storyful was was basically Storyful was set up during the Arab Spring, so in about 2010, 2011. Yeah. And it was sort of the first time that newsrooms uh, were really dependent on social media footage. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of where the revolutions were happening were places where there weren't TV crews were able to get into. So, but people were uploading videos from the scene onto YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, but as a result of that, of course, people were also uploading false footage or right. sometimes there might be video that might say it was Egypt today but it might have actually been Libya a month beforehand right. and newsrooms were making mistakes and they were airing that footage okay. correctly so Storyfell's job was to figure out which was real which was fake in those instances and so it was a sort of news wire service for newsrooms um, and I eventually moved over with Storyfell to New York so let's take a step back so in effect what you were acting was as a filter yeah and as, as and I won't say and you weren't a censor you were a filter absolutely so um you know, they turned it into great success. They had, uh, you know, New York Times and Sky News and the BBC all as clients of Storyful. Um, and yes, as a, as a breaking news story would happen, it could be a terror attack in London or it could be something in the Middle East or in Africa. And as videos and images were emerging on social media, we would be vetting those to, to make sure that they were actually from the location. Right. And we were doing that by just sort of simple journalism, but applying it to the online space. So if okay. Video of an incident on a street. We'd go look up maps of the streets and the addresses. So you were corroborating what you were, and I presume it meant then you were you wouldn't give us the seal of approval until you at least got another story from a different source that you 
have verified that there was a veracity to the whole story. Correct. So whatever corroborating um, uh, evidence we could gather, we would use. So whether that might be another picture from the scene, or you know, and sometimes things happen where there's only one person on the scene, you know, right. uh, and that's where you try and corroborate it with police reports. Or sometimes if we were going very in depth into something, you know, we'd be looking at weather reports and the times of day, all that sort of thing. Right. And as well, sort of vetting the person who posts the the, the video. So to yeah. see, it doesn't make sense that they'd be there in that scene and looking through their social media posts. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was it was it was it was interesting. Well, I suppose that you were getting an education in the what would have been the early days of the world we're now in. Absolutely. So when you would have come through Mark Little's shop, you effectively would have been a leading edge journalist in many ways. I don't know what I describe myself as that, but def definitely uh, it was sort of you know now now that is very much the world we live in where you know we're very much dependent on information and misinformation online yeah. and so you're right you know that I guess that was sort of the very early days of it yeah so where did the interest in journalism come it wasn't from the Kerry man <laughs> well Kerry people are Kerry people are very nosy so uh, well, I but, I yeah, but they never answer well I suppose yeah you never answer a question yeah, you're good at asking them <laughs> I was always always fascinated by uh, always fascinated by TV news in particular, I think. Um, and then as, as I just sort of always knew I, I'd always hoped to be a reporter. I'd sort of everything from the, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, school, uh, the secondary school newspaper magazine in Clashton, Skellige and Carseveen, to right. the, the college paper in UCD in Dublin. Um, so it, I know it, just, it, it, it was always something that the thing I wanted to do. So I guess I was lucky in that way in that, you know, uh, I knew from a very young, young age what I wanted to do. How I was going to make it from Carsevine to, uh, to the Kerry man, not to mind, CNN <laughs> or somewhere else. I was never quite sure. So, um, given that you have gone through the career that you have and you're now where you are, would you say, or is it fair to say, that the quality and style of Irish journalism is very rich and um, authentic? I mean, I think, you know, you'll, you'll see, even, you know, in New York, uh, at, at very senior levels of major news organizations, there are Irish people, people who are fresh off the boat. Right. Uh, at all different roles, whether it's management or editors or reporters. Uh, so I think there's that, obviously, that great Irish storytelling tradition. Right. Uh, I think domestically, back in Ireland, uh, you know, there's some fantastic reporters and, and some fantastic investigative reporters. Um, but I think what we're seeing, you know, in, in Ireland, much like even smaller local markets here in the US and Canada, is that it's the news organizations are struggling um, to, to fund their work. Uh, right. And so, whereas there's sort of the big players, the New York Times of the world, and that. Um, in the U.S., a lot of local newspapers are closing down here every day, uh, and you know I've seen some recent laybacks or layoffs. And it's some Irish publications. Well, in the, I know the Times in the last short period back uh, were shutting down their Irish operation. Yeah, yeah, just announced the past few days. Yeah, so I think that's a cause for concern. Right. Um, but that that is a global. But uh, where I, what I was coming to in a way is like I grew up in a time where you had um, John Farrell or uh, on there was seven days and uh, you know that how the journalists handled 
themselves and their programs, how they interacted with their um, interviewees, was always... I, I can only say it was very professional and very thorough and never personal. Correct. Yeah. Whereas I think that there, there's, uh, as opposed to as opposed to a lot, I suppose what happens on television uh, here in the U.S. There, it's certainly uh, on some networks at least there can be a lot more theatre to it. Yeah, like uh, the, the the commentator, as distinct from the journalist. Um, seems to be prime. Mm. Yeah, I mean, certainly at uh, at, a, at a lot of networks, I know. Um, I know at CNN we have paid contributors who are people who come on and are, have previously worked in government or uh, in, in all different sectors. Um, but I do know from the from the reporting point of view, we'll try and stick down the middle as much as we can. And yeah. you know, a very big news gathering and reporting operation at CNN. Uh, but you're right, though there are you know the, particularly at, in the, the Fox News world and things like that, it is much more personality driven. It's yeah. much more opinion uh, driven and um, yeah I think that's um, you know that gets sort of conflated with news coverage sometimes and it's not always very clear to the audience what is news and what is opinion and what is entertainment or designed to be entertainment as news <laughs> so um, we're here at Collision and um, what brought you up here aside from being sent <laughs> <laughs> I love Toronto. <laughs> so good friends living up here in Toronto. Um, so I, I sort of cover the, I cover a lot of uh, cyber security and tech issues at CNN. Uh, I cover a lot, particularly sort of about how the world of technology and politics interact. And I think that became particularly clear after the 2016 election where we saw hacking and we saw Russian trolls and all these sort of things. Right. So that's sort of the world that I live in. So there's a, you know, yesterday I got to speak to Ev Williams, who's one of the co-founders of, of Twitter, um, and now runs Media, uh, Medium, the, the blogging platform. Um, and it was, you know, interesting to get his thoughts on, he was there at, at the early days of Twitter, built this tool, which has now gone on to change the world for, some would say good, some would say bad. Right. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a tool that President Trump uses every day. So, <laughs> to be able to go up and speak to those people like that is, is obviously a great opportunity. And to talk to some of the guys in the new companies that are being showcased here. So uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a good few days. Plenty of Irish people around the place, of course. Web Summit's uh, yeah. Collisions parent company. Web Summit is based in in, um, in Dartry, I think, in Dublin still. Um, so plenty of Irish heads around the place. And again, coming back to when you and I were talking about before we we came on air here, and that is, of course, that the Irish. You mentioned it within the media uh, that the Irish are at all levels, but it's it goes way beyond the media because here you have this Irish company and they're recognized as putting together the most influential tech conference globally between Web Collision and the one out in Asia as well. Absolutely, you know, you see it in, you know, I live in, I live in New York and, uh, you know, it's, it's just incredible sometimes you could be going into, uh, going into a public relations firm or to a bank or to a tech company and you almost always find somebody from Kildare or Cork or, yes, right. or Dublin. Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
you know, I, I think we, we definitely are punching above our weight. Um, and, uh, you know, l- long may that last, I suppose. So, does your audience have any difficulty with the accent? <laughs> You were waiting for that, weren't you? Um, so I, I try to slow it down a little bit sometimes. That's uh, one of the things we have to do, isn't it? We have to learn to slow it down. Yeah, um, so a lot of my uh, friends, my American friends in New York, <laughs> after they, if, if, I, if I'm with them and I'm also with a group of Irish friends, say, yeah. they'll notice that, you know, once I'm with my Irish pals, I'll not, without even thinking, start talking a lot quicker. Yeah. And of course, if you have a Guinness or two in you, that makes you quicker again. Um, so... Uh, you also cut the edges <laughs> out the words. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, my uh, my my aunt. Uh, I have an aunt living in Swords, and I was on the phone to her recently one day, and I said, "Oh, hi, Jeanette, how are you getting on?" Um, I just said, "Dory, that's not the voice you have on TV." <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> so. I'm reminded of it every time I go on. But uh, no, uh, the, the big trouble was for a while was. Um, my name's Donny, um, but of course a lot of Americans read that and say Donny. Yeah. Um, so for the for all the news anchors now, they have a little note in the in the auto queue, the the screen that they read as they're introducing a story, um, and it, it spells my name out phonetically. Yeah, right. Donny. So my that was my my mom back in Kerry. Her her main complaint for a while was there. She, can they not get your name right? So. That's right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so um, where do you see yourself going the long term? Oh, guys, that's a good question. Um, well, I've been I've been with CNN three years. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's hard. At everything we're sort of working on for the moment and reporting on is is up to the 2020 election and, and see what happens with that. So, I sort of live my, my life in those cycles at the moment. But it's uh, and I suppose the question, if I were to expand on it, is where do you see yourself going? Given given that what we said earlier is that like the Times is laying off journalists, that how media is out there, how it's presenting, um, how news gathering is constantly evolving. Where do you see yourself going? Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully still have a job. Um, I think that, you know, I, I do think that I guess the next decade is going to be absolutely critical for our industry in terms of having a sustainable path going forward and that, you know, how how can you fund news organizations when many people now aren't paying for any news and yes. getting it free on the internet. Um, but, you know, there are some, I think, um, glimmers of hope with the, you know, bigger publications, as I mentioned, like the New York Times, are they're getting a lot of digital paid digital mm-hmm. subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, you know, they're, they are probably the exception. Well, I will confess my wife is a contributor to the Irish Times. Right. <laughs> Um, and they also have a paid subscription, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, you know, I think uh, I think the social media platforms, which I cover a lot as part of my work, right. um, I know that a lot of those companies are trying to explore ways to share revenue with news organizations, whether that will ever actually okay. come about in a, in a way that, that could be fruitful, uh, time will tell. Um, but I think personally, I suppose I would like to stay covering, you know, I've sort of come from a place where I've always been covering social media's role in whether it's politics or in the news. Um, and as we can see, you know, so the lines between the online world 
and the offline world, the real world, which some people might call it, are becoming more blurred, you know, where we spend as much time online as we do offline. And to that end, like there is discussion going on and there's serious questions being asked about whether or not some of these platforms must be or should be regulated. That's correct, yeah. I mean, the, the platforms themselves, Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who runs Facebook, has even said recently he wants, he thinks there should be regulation. Yeah. Uh, now, whether that's him saying it because he, he, he yeah. realizes it's inevitable or not. Uh, but I certainly think, you know, the past few years, whether it's every, anything from election meddling to hate speech and harassment online, to all these sort of problems that we're now see, seeing that as a result of these 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 services that we spend so much time on, uh, of course there needs to be some oversight there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, there's, a, there's probably a big knowledge gap uh, with a lot of lawmakers um, on all sides of the, both sides of the Atlantic who maybe don't fully get or use the platforms themselves or, or understand how you could possibly phrase appropriately policy to regulate. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the big challenge because companies like Facebook and Google are now, you know, staffing up in places like Washington and like Brussels because they want to be in there and they want to try to write the rules for themselves. Right. You know. Right. Um, so I think it'll be very important to that you know a new generation, I guess, of lawmakers and politicians who are who are very much of the internet um, right. uh, are, are sort of you know really engaging with this issue because you know it's, it's not something that's going away. It's not a problem that's going to be going away anytime soon. Going back to your own role at CNN, does your ethnicity and the authenticity of your ethnicity because of your accent, do you find that it helps? Um, I think it does actually. Sometimes, you know, uh, a lot of my colleagues would say, oh God, you, you're, you only get away with doing that or saying that because you have an Irish accent. Uh, right. So I'm, I definitely, uh, you know, if, if I'm dealing with sources or try to get an interview, if, um, you know, I think when somebody hears an Irish accent at the other end of the line, they, they say, oh, I haven't, heard, haven't heard that in a while. And they don't feel threatened. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Depends what I'm saying to them, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I do, yeah, people probably do sort of sit up and say, oh, where is he from? Or right. what does he think he's doing out and here? Then this question. And, and then <laughs> if I go back far enough, are we related? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, a, I had an aunt who, who was once in Rath Common. Yeah, that's yeah, like that. Yes, right. Tony, which should wrap up and let you get back. It's been fascinating. It's been great having a chat and I really want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, anyone wants to follow you, keep an eye on you. Are you on at specific times? Uh, I'm on uh, one or, once or twice more. I don't even have the, the time. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm on the box. Oh, on the television. I pop up anytime Facebook does something very wrong. So I'm normally up there a few times a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're, you're the guy with the Irish accent. <laughs> Tony Sullivan from Carlson. Good to meet you. Thank you very much.